certainly a great guest to have on this show would be anyone who is a retailer and especially a successful retailer. However, a, another great guest that would be a uh, on the show would be a person that is manufacturing products for retailers because the interests in that relationship are aligned that a manufacturer is very interested in how a retailer can be successful. Well, one of the most recognized logos in the entire world is the Perina checkerboard. My guest today is the Vice President of Sales in Purina Animal Nutrition. Brian is a expert in all things retail because the interests are aligned in that relationship. If you don't know a lot about me, I am a third generation feed retailer. And in my family's retail feed business, we are a fairly large Purina dealer. Brian and I have gotten to know each other over the last several years, and I think that he is a great uh, expert in a lot of different things in the retail landscape. So today we are going to talk about some of the do's and don'ts that make for a successful retailer from what he's seen in his position over the last 25 years or so. What changes does he see in the next five to ten years that retailers will be undergoing? What 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 makes for a successful feed operation or a lumber store or a hardware store? Some of these classic retailers, what what makes a successful one versus a unsuccessful? So today our episode is from the lens of a manufacturer, and I hope that you will enjoy it. Hello and welcome to the Better Business Podcast, the podcast that helps you improve your family-owned retail business. My name is Steve Cook. I'm a third-generation business owner, and with the things I've learned and talk about on this show, I've taken my family's retail business to over $10 million in sales. Now let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Better Business Podcast. This is episode 108. Eight. I have a guest today. His name is Brian, and he's the vice president of sales for Perina Animal Nutrition. Uh, we have gotten to know each other over the last uh, few years and have gotten closer than we had been in the past as we are both in the same industry. Um, and though he is not a retailer, he oversees sales to retailers. So I feel like Brian has a lot of expertise and um, is extremely in tune with what's going on in the retail landscape in the United States and knows what makes for a successful retailer. So that's what we will uh, kind of be talking about today. And before you yell at him for being the guy in charge of puppy chow, that is a different Purina. And so I don't want to hear any flack about having the dog food guy on. That is a completely different company. Brian is over all the livestock uh, animal nutrition that Perina is over. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Steve. And um, value the partnership we have with uh, you and uh, your business very much. So, Brian, as I kind of alluded to, I want to talk about what makes for a successful retailer, and specifically one that um, you would be in tune with, a, a rural retailer, and somebody that is not maybe um, a boutique or somebody that's in a downtown metro with a lot of foot traffic. What makes for a successful rural retailer? And that might be a lumber yard, a, a hardware store, a feed store, something like that. 
as far as you've seen it um, over the you know several years that you've been in your position, what do you think is the difference between a successful retailer, um, one that's selling a lot of horse feed or cattle feed, and one that's not selling a lot? Is it maybe just their their uh, energy level? Is it uh, they're they're at the peak of technology? What is what is the difference between a successful retailer and one that's not? You know, Steve, you've seen our industry and you've been to a lot of different dealerships, uh, feed dealerships across the country, and they're very unique and very market specific. But overall, I, the word I would start with is the very successful ones uh, create or have an experience for the shopper or the consumer, the cattleman, uh, whoever their market primary marketplace is. And to me, what really drives an experience is first and foremost often starts with people having people that the customer knows that they trust someone that can help answer their questions uh, we believe that is is huge and paramount and as you think about beyond that full selection of products and having the, the type of service that customers expect uh, in a given marketplace. We know that varies by customer type, but those would be a couple of the primary things that, that we see differentiate across the country. And so as, as someone doubles down on customer service, I had an episode recently with uh, um, at other times during the week, I'll have a co-host and me and my co-host, Chris Fox, we had a episode that talked about are customers buying or are they shopping? And I've kind of struggled with that in our business between the customer that is buying because um, to create an experience for a customer um, it's very hard when they're coming in for the same order week after week and they're getting five bags of the same product or um, something similar to that. So along those lines, do you think that, you know, when you say an experience for a customer, um, it's I feel like it's such a difference of um, in in different businesses. I had a guest on his name is Jesse Cole, and he owns a minor league baseball team called the Savannah Bananas. And um he, he talked about this idea of a customer experience and was talking about how every business should have an experience like he creates. And, and I struggle with that because I'm like, some people are running an errand in our business. Do you think that creating that customer experience, that it's a difference depending on what business you're in, that some, to some customers it'll be speed and to some customers it'll be, you know, that friendly atmosphere and stuff like that? What do you, what's your opinion on all that? A hundred percent agree with you on, on what you're saying in our business. You, you do have people, they're coming in to buy the same, to buy the same thing. And uh, I do think it varies by customer, but, but with that, I think as an industry, um, we have to continue to evolve to be more uh, retail consumer focused. I think, um, as you know, our company, Steve, the last couple of years has put a huge focus in trying to transform how our retailers work, making sure that we have timely displays and changing mm -hmm. items out so that the customer who comes in every week that wants to see you and, and order their same amount, they do see some things that are different that they don't normally see. I think also beyond that, it is an experience, and we probably take it for granted that they know they can come to you every week and get that quick service. A lot of times you probably know their order and have it loaded before they're out of your store. 
which in our world is a great experience. Having grown up on a farm myself, yeah. um, I think we all value that timely service, especially in today's world. Yeah, it makes me think of Chick-fil-A, you know, is known for right. their great customer <laughs> service. But, you know, a lot of your transaction with Chick-fil-A is 30 seconds. And, you know, it kind of makes me think to some people, this customer service means speed. And to some people, this customer service means you ask about their dog and their children and, you know, different things like that. It's it's uh, it's such a difference depending on what industry you're in. Um, along those same lines, as far as what you would predict, you know, I think uh, one of a leader's job jobs is to, you know, point the company in a direction that it ought to be going. And then obviously they have to execute on that, of course, but um, one of your jobs would be to point Perina in the direction that it should be going. To do that, you would clearly have to um, <laughs> be in tune with what retailers will be doing in the next, you know, five to 10 years, give or take. But what, what do you see that will change in our industry in the next five to 10 years that will be different? Will there be much different technology? Do you think, um, you know, customer service will be much more important? Or do you think that it will be um, a lot less retail locations and a lot more direct sales with warehouses? Do you, what do you foresee in the next five to 10 years uh, for, for a classic retailer like feed stores? I think classic feed stores, that's a, a great question. If, if you take a, just a quick history lesson, about 20, probably 30 years ago, Purina uh, really led the way. As you think about our, our industry, especially 30 years ago, a lot of our feed dealers, Steve, were very livestock-focused, very traditional. <clears throat> and we put a huge effort in place to get <clears throat> our dealers and co-ops to really focus on that lifestyle consumer. And about $400 million came into to our space to really kind of transform what I would call a traditional dealer to a more, uh, a better shopping environment, one focused on the lifestyle customer. As we, trans <clears throat> as we fast forward to today, we first of all think that stores are still very important. If you think about how our consumer base, those that, have a lot of backyard animals as well as cattle, dairy, et cetera. Especially in that lifestyle space, a lot of them are very new to the category, still very new to the category coming in. You think about the average horse owner, et cetera. They want a place where they can get answers. And we believe mm -hmm. that you have to have a very nice retail facility, one that any type of consumer beyond uh, a traditional producer, cattleman type thing would, would feel good to come into. And, and be welcoming in that perspective. So we have a huge push on making sure our stores have that front. Beyond that then, um, we believe that they have to be a place where you can get answers and really double down on the consultative part. I also believe that service has and will continue to differentiate the way uh, we work. And as you think about your business today and delivery is such a key part, Consumers like convenience, and we're going to continue to like convenience as we as we move forward. You talk about, you ask about consolidation. We we see continued consolidation. I don't know that we see fewer store numbers, but we mm. see fewer store owners uh, as we look forward. Um, and a lot of that is driven by a number of our dealers today are owned by individuals that really don't have a succession, that they don't plan to pass it on to the next generation. And as we look at that, 
that'll become an opportunity, a, a marketplace for family businesses like yourself to, to continue to grow. So I would see a business as we look forward that has fewer owners, but probably similar location number that we have today, if that makes sense. Why do you think, why do you think a lot of uh, businesses will have fewer owners? Do you think that that's a trend in the United States? Do you think it's a trend in like feed stores or do you think that that's uh, something that's changing the environment around us due to, you know, e-commerce or retail or, you know, what do you, do you have any sense of um, why that is? Well, for one, I, I think just scale helps. Um, mm. As you think about gives it more advantages, it, it gives it more advantages. You think about just the cost to to run a business and all the things that you have to have a small business, just like a person could make a living on a 50 cow dairy farm 30 years ago. It's hard to do that today. Gotcha. And, and I see that very similar to a feed dealership where as you make investments and do those type of things, there's a number of small dealers that can be in business and will be for many, many years. There's no question. But as it's really to me at that time when they decide, do I pass it down to a family member or do I continue to run or, or just exit? I think that's the opportunity. And I think as you look at folks like yourself, you can optimize delivery routes. You can do a lot of things as you look at a bigger marketplace because that's going to continue to be key as you think about consultation and service being kind of the cornerstones of what I would call traditional feed retailers. Uh, having a larger marketplace to spread cost across will, will be key. Yeah, we've been thinking a lot about um, doing some different things with, uh, and, and it, I think this applies to a lot of different uh, industries like lumber yards and uh, hardware stores, you know, a lot of different things. But um, we've been thinking a lot about having more of a, uh, basically using our stores as a hub um, and having more direct sales, you know, operations and just using our stores as a hub. Do you foresee that being kind of a play for a lot of, uh, I guess you would say, like commercial customers? Because that would apply with a lot of different lumber, you know, places. They could do, have more direct sales. A lot of different hardware places could call directly on plumbing operations and electricians and things like that. Um, do you think that that will be a, a sort of a path for the future in a lot of different industries? Or do you think that there will always be a place for, you know, a retail presence in every small town? I think it'll be a, a, a combination, Steve. As we look, we still believe convenience. When you, when you talk to consumers, mm. consumers of animal products, the number one thing is convenience. And they define convenience as um, somewhere they can get to within 20 minutes or 20 miles. Yeah. Um, I understand in certain geographies that probably changes, but on average that's what we see. <laughs> So I, I think that will continue to be key. Uh, we, we already today, you know, I've been in the industry a little over 25 years. 25 years ago, you would have two to three feed dealerships in every town. Yeah. Today you have one in a lot or yeah. some don't. So I think we'll continue to see that evolution uh, a bit. And But as far as getting product, we're in an industry to me that's unique and that we sell things in 50-pound bags. It's pretty hard to uh, – most UPS drivers don't like delivering that. And <laughs> as you think about what you all do, you not only 
you don't put it on somebody's front porch, Steve. You actually take and put it in their facility. You rotate stock. You bring other supplies with it. And, and I see that trend continuing to grow. And those of you that do that well, I think will continue to flourish in that space because people like myself love that convenience and love that level of service that you provide. I, we call it white glove service. And sure. I think uh, our dealers do a phenomenal job of that. So you'd mentioned, you know, it's hard to ship a 50-pound bag via UPS, um, which brings up the conversation of e-commerce. I think that that's a, a fun conversation for a lot of uh, business articles and magazines and things like that. And it seems like e-commerce is taking over the world. But when you look at actual statistics, <laughs> it's still retail is still the right. far majority of the, the commerce in the United States. And however, I think that e-commerce does play obviously a convenience role in a retailer's uh, world. But as far as you're concerned, if UPS maybe or FedEx or something like that is out of the question, um, what role do you think that e-commerce, what role do you think it plays for a retailer in, you know, now to five years from now or something like that? Do you think that it's necessity? Do you think it's a little bit extra or what are, what are your opinions on that? Steve, I, I think it's an, it's a necessity and I'll, I'll, I'll explain that to me. It's, it's really about, as you think about the average consumer, think about you and you and me both. A lot of times we begin our search for something online. Right. We look mm. and see and then we may go pick it up and, and want to go look at it. But we begin it online. So I think we have to have a, a presence online that's very consumer focused and really helps them, but ultimately directs them. And from our perspective as an organization, we believe, you know, if we can bring a customer that you otherwise couldn't get in, we think that's great. Ultimately, though, we would like to hand it off to you to be that either that last mile of distribution and or that point where they pick the product up because we think that is the most, we know it's the most efficient, cost-effective way for the consumer, which is important, and we think it's good for, for you too. But I think for you, for us, we have to be present online and give consumers choices, whether it's buy online, pick up in store, mm -hmm. whether it's to get my product delivered directly to me. We have to have a presence and that'll continue to grow. But I think as far as the nature of our business, where it's, whether it's hay, straw, feed, um, it will be hard for your average common carriers just to bring and put that on somebody's front porch. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there has to be some sort of different, you know, it's, it's similar to grocery delivery and a lot of these challenging products to actually deliver. It's, it brings with it a, a ton of different challenges to actually get that product to someone's door. But I do see a path that everyone would like to have things delivered. It's just right. the, the mechanism to get it there is, is one of the most challenging things. I think every retailer kind of struggles with that. Um, as far as the, independent retailer. Obviously, Perina has um, relationships with big box stores and, um, you know, of the likes of like Tractor Supply and different places like that. But um, we talk about in our common language the, of a independent retailer versus a box customer or something like that. As far as like an independent retailer is concerned, 
what advantages do you think an independent retailer has against somebody like a tractor supply or in a lumber situation? What does an independent lumberyard have over like a Lowe's or a Home Depot or something like that that um, would be something that they should double down on or triple down on um, in that in that competitive landscape? To, to me, it begins with with personalization. Um, Many of you, like yourself, know your market, know your customers extremely well, first name basis. And you talked about Chick-fil-A earlier, but we all like to go to somewhere where they actually know us and treat us. I think uh, Ace Hardware, for example, does a great job with that type of service. When you walk in, they're helping you right away. And I think, as I think of our feed dealers, you all do that extremely well. And it ties back, I keep using the words consultation and service. But to me, that's your hallmark. And I think that is what differentiates you from other retailers out there is, is you do that extremely well. And uh, that's where I would be doubling down um, as an independent retailer because I don't think there's anybody that can do it as as good as you all have done it consistently. And do you think that that's, you know, obviously that would come with a, a ton of training and um, pouring into your employees the importance of that and things like that. But do you think that it's something that um, you might have a little bit higher labor costs than some of the big box retailers or um, that you should have more staff or do you think it's uh, more training or just more specifically in that personalization? What do you think would be the, the advantage to the retailers that they should kind of double down on? Do you think it's more help or better training or? I don't think it's necessarily more help in today's labor environment that that becomes fairly, fairly complicated. <laughs> Almost impossible. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's could be tough, but uh, we don't have enough time on the podcast for that one. But um, to me, Steve, it's all about having the best people is trained extremely well. Um, and I've always been a big believer of that with our own team. We, we always strive to have the very best people trained to the highest level. Um, as you know, we as a company have put some things forward to try to help uh, really up that for you in, in our dealer stores, having that person that can really lead training and is a key source of information. Uh, I think that's how you win by having the best and, and most highly trained people that are very engaging. Especially well. in a, a specialty retailer, you know, I think that is is a paramount uh, thing is to have somebody that can answer questions. And you know, you mentioned Ace earlier. I think I don't think anybody goes into Ace knowing <laughs> they might know what they're needing, kind of generally, but they at least need to know where it's at. Or you know, I think a lot of it, these specialty retailers, I think of pool supplies or lumber or hardware or something like that. That is such a necessity uh, to have somebody there that can direct and and help help somebody. And you talked about it earlier, you know, you mentioned Chick-fil-A and, and, and to me, you, you think of the fast food space. We've all go through drive throughs but they stick out. And I don't care where you are, if I'm in Oklahoma or I'm in Minnesota, I always have an employee that's friendly, smiles, and I tell you, it, it resonates. 
And uh, yeah. you can tell they're highly trained and they really work hard to get the very best people. And so to me, if, if they can do it, um, I, I believe we can do it too. So in preparation, I always like to ask one final question uh, before we close. But um, in preparation for that, I just want to thank you again for being on. And um, I appreciate your opinion on a lot of this stuff. And um, I think there's a lot to learn in this episode. Obviously, you would mentioned that you have 25 years of wisdom in the <laughs> animal nutrition space. Uh, and seeing that you have I've obviously seen uh, many different very successful retailers and you've seen some that are not successful. You've seen, um, you know, your own business experiences and things like that. If you had to boil down the last 25 years of that experience into one piece of advice for a retailer um, to take away, what piece of advice would that be? Uh, to me, it, it is really because we've all seen that, like you said, seen a lot of really successful and, and some that have struggled. To me, it's focusing on the critical few things and mm -hmm. never wavering from it. Because as a small business, you could work 24 hours a day and not get all the work done. I mean, you, you, you are the general manager to sometimes the feed truck driver and everything in between. And the ones that are really successful stay focused on the critical few, when everything's going crazy, they still stay focused on the critical few. And, and, and I think we, as we talk, the critical few are really understanding your profitability and what drives your business, but most importantly, that customer and having the very best people to serve them. And if you do that, the rest seems to work out pretty well. Awesome. Brian, thank you so much for being on again. Um, and uh, I hope that uh, this gave you a good few pieces of advice to better your business. And I hope that you will join us for the next episode coming up in a few days. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.